Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older men and women howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode, the old dogs ramble about the concept of ashes to ashes. We report on a cryptocurrency blunder that made one lady a lot richer. We say farewell to Nichelle Nichols in her final journey to space. We announce the new butter sculptor at the Minnesota State Fair. We lament the release of a new slasher movie featuring, yes, Winnie the Pooh. And we tell the story of a starving artist who traded his paintings for dinner. The old dog's conversation is with Beth Wernick, a polymath in the entertainment industry who just might use your song in a TV show. Stay with us. Paul, Paul, Paul. Mm. What are you ready to ramble about? Well, you know, I've been musing about a pod nugget that we had today. Uh, Nichelle Nichols had her ashes shot into outer space. Yes, she did. Have you ever thought about what you want to do with your ashes, and would you consider shooting them into outer space? Well, well, hold on a second. You're assuming that I want to do the ashes thing and not have a huge memorial above my tomb, uh, something, Uh you know. I am assuming that because you are such a skinflint (laughs) that it would be made out of plastic and cardboard. You're right. So, yeah, I'm assuming Okay, well, yes, I am an ashes guy, and no, I haven't really given it much thought about what I want them to do with it. Maybe I don't care. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know if I would send them off into outer space. Number one, it's expensive. Well, who would want to sponsor that for you? Uh, nobody. Nobody. Okay, so let's take <laughs> I, that off And the I wouldn't table. like to try to find a sponsor. It might be degrading. <laughs> no, it would be Depends. <laughs> Sending to outer space with his ashes wrapped in a Depend. <laughs> However, you know, that does raise an interesting question. Okay. You got this urn full of ashes that used to be you. What the heck do you do with them? What do you do with it? That's my question to you. Oh, what do you do all right. What do I do with it? Well, you know, there is the, the typical thing where you go to a favorite place from your boyhood or something, and you have somebody scatter the ashes over the hilltop or in the ocean or whatever. Yeah. So, and, and, of course, the wind turns. Turns the wrong way, yeah. the ashes back on the person. So I get the last laugh. I saw that movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Very interesting. I, I think I would like to have them scattered in a place where they probably won't be disturbed. Think of all the places that'll never be cleaned. Um, Baseball stadium, bathroom, for example. Right, any downtown uh, subway station, for example, bus station. There you go. Yeah, yeah. they would be safe there. That would be permanent. There's a permanent place for you to to rest. Well, as a matter of fact, you know, you've mentioned uh, storing them in some kind of memorial urn or something at home. Usually, you know, you think of that as being something you put on a mantle, but not that many people have mantles anymore, as far as I can tell. And so where would you put it? Uh, In the kitchen? I think I'd like mine put into a coffee pot and maybe with a handful of chocolate almonds tossed in. Now, that to me is a party. (laughs) I, You know, I would say normally I would say I would drink to that, but not in this case. Well, it looks like both you and I won't have to worry about it, uh, as we'll be in the urn. 
Well, I guess that you could say that uh, dying and getting cremated is something you have to earn. No, I, I don't believe you said that. Now, you're the one that made it ash of himself. <laughs> For those of us who think that the world of cryptocurrency is mysterious and unfathomable, it's comforting to know that folks who navigate that world can make a stupid mistake. This pod nugget is from the Washington Post for September 1st, 2022. In May of 2021, Crypto.com, a cryptocurrency company, mistakenly transferred 10.5 million Australian dollars to the account of one Ms. Manville, who was simply owed a refund of $68. <laughs> oh, those pesky decimal points. Of course, Ms. Manville noticed the error and immediately returned the money. Well, not really. Miss mm -hmm. Mandeville noticed the error, but went on a spending spree. <laughs> Among other things, she gave $300,000 to her daughter and a million-dollar mansion to her sister. Uh, there was no rush spending the windfall since Crypto.com didn't discover the error for seven months. The Is company, that right? Yeah, Whoa. seven months. <laughs> then the company sued for the return of the money and won. Now they have to track down everything that was spent over the seven months that Ms. Manival had the money. Ironically, the company has been using the advertising tagline, Fortune Favors the Brave. Nichelle Nichols, the Star Trek star, died recently at the age of 89. And now, her ashes are boldly going where no one has gone before. This pod nugget is from the New York Times for August 27, 2022. The actress, Nichelle Nichols, played Lieutenant Uhuru on the original Star Trek series in the late 60s. As the communications officer on the Starship Enterprise, she broke unwritten barriers as one of the first black women in a leading role on a TV series. Starting in 1977, she began a long alliance with NASA. She helped recruit people from underrepresented backgrounds. She is credited with inspiring thousands of women and people from minority groups to apply as astronauts, including Sally Ride and Mae Jemison. Celestis, a private aerospace company that works with NASA, will carry her ashes on a rocket that will eventually end up in a stable orbit around the sun. And once the rocket achieves orbit, it will be renamed the Enterprise Station as a tribute to Star Trek. Nichelle's ashes won't be traveling alone. Included will be some of the ashes of other Star Trek notables, including creator Gene Roddenberry, Majel Barrett, who played Nurse Chapel, James Doohan, who played Chief Engineer Scotty, and special effects guru Douglas Trumbull. Serious fans of Star Trek can still join the flight for a few thousand dollars, but of course you will first have to make an ash of yourself. Ooh. The Minnesota State Fair had the same official butter sculptor for 50 years. When she decided to retire, finding a replacement was a little complicated. This item is from the New York Times for August 23, 2022. Uh, for those of you who don't realize this, butter sculptures first appeared at the Minnesota State Fair over a hundred years ago. If this seems like a strange art form, remember that Minnesota is a dairy state, and the State Fair is a showcase for all things related to farming. That includes butter, and by extension, butter sculpting. The main task of the butter sculptor is to carve portraits of the ten contestants vying for the title of Princess K of the Milky Way at the <laughs> fair. 
To complete a portrait, each contestant must sit for several hours inside a large refrigerated room with glass walls as the sculptor whittles away at a 90-pound block of grade AA salted butter. The butter carving is in full view of the people attending the fair, so the butter sculptor must be fast and skilled. Butter is an unforgiving medium, you know. The previous butter artist was Linda Christensen, who held the position for over half a century. When she decided to retire, she agreed to train in her replacement. Jerry Coulter, a high school art teacher, was selected to apprentice as the official butter sculptor. After two years of learning his craft, Mr. Coulter took over full-time this year. He seems to be approaching the new challenge with gusto. He said, teaching is the second best job in the world. The first is carving butterheads. <laughs> well, we wish him good carving with his butterfingers. Winnie the Pooh and Piglet are back, and they're bad, in a new horror film that stretches the limits of bad taste. This pod nugget is from The Guardian for August 31st, 2022. Here's the plot. Christopher Robin has grown up and left the Hundred Acre Wood. In his absence, Winnie the Pooh and Piglet grow increasingly bitter and violent over being abandoned. They go rogue and start feasting on other animals in the woods. When Christopher Robin returns for a visit, the anger of Pooh and Piglet bubbles over into a bloodbath. <laughs> this obviously low-budget effort is titled Blood and Honey. The film hasn't been released yet, but there's a trailer on the internet that testifies to the low quality and expectations of the effort. The producer is obviously hoping that enough people will be intrigued by the controversy to pay for a streaming version before word of mouth dries up the stream. The A.A. Milne estate can do nothing because in January this year, Winnie the Pooh books entered the public domain. The books and the characters in the books can legally appear in everything from commercials to the, well, slasher movies. And there's more to come. Over the next few years, Mickey Mouse, Superman, and James Bond will enter the public domain. Oh, boy. If Blood and Honey makes a profit, get ready for the haunted house of Mickey Mouse, shaken violently, not stirred, and Texas Chainsaw Superman. This is a tale that could only come out of the peace and love 70s. An artist trading his artwork for food. This pot nugget is from the Nice News for September 3rd, 2022. Well, the story starts in a restaurant in Ontario called The Villa. The owners, Irene and Tony Damas, became friends with a local artist named John Kinnear. The artist could best be described as poor and struggling. He struck a deal with the restaurant owners to trade his paintings for food. There was never any thought that the paintings would become valuable. Irene and Tony just wanted to help out the artists and maybe help decorate the restaurant walls. The fairy tale ending would be that Kinnear became famous and the swap paintings would sell for a fortune. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, but something similar did. Kinnear had been sharing art supplies with another struggling artist named Maud Lewis. Out of gratitude, Lewis gifted several of her paintings to Kinnear. And in turn, Kinnear included those paintings in the food arrangement with the restaurant owners. Well, over the years, Maud Lewis's art became popular. Last month, one of the swap paintings sold at auction for $272,548. Now that's a fairy tale ending. 
It's fitting that an act of kindness 50 years ago paid off so handsomely. Beth Wernick loves the entertainment business. She loves it so much that she has had many careers in that business, including actress, voice talent, looping artist, and music guru to the TV industry. After living in New York and L.A., she finds she can be just as productive and in demand from her new home in, you guessed it, Kansas. You've worn a lot of hats. I have. I have. Can you give us a, a brief tour through the hats? Well, I am a, a former Texan. As you may know, I was born in San Antonio, and then the family moved to Houston. And um, I got involved in theater in high school, did a lot of speech tournaments and things like that, and then went off to college with a couple of scholarships, and one to Lon Morris and one to UT Austin. And um, around uh, the end of my junior year, I got hit by a car. Oh. <laughs> and I said, to hell with this, I'm going to New York. <laughs> so... Um, that's just what I, I just, said. Yeah, I said, you know, if I'm going to get killed, it's going to be there. So I, I, I moved to New York and really kind of forgot the acting thing. I loved it, but it was a whole different new world. And I had a cousin that worked at Warner Brothers Records in publicity, and I thought what she did was fascinating. The next thing you know, in a year or two, I was um, an account executive at a music PR firm, and I worked with Tom Petty's first album and Hart's first album and everything Casey the Sunshine Band ever did and even stuff with Judy Collins, and it just went on and on. It was a fascinating and wonderful time in the music industry, and I was so blessed to be a part of it and, and have the fun that we had and get that incredible Thing going and then there was um, an energy crisis in the early 80s and it was not possible to press vinyl and they didn't have a plan B yet <laughs> and I thought well there's no work so I'm going to go back to Texas and I went back to Texas uh, where my family is and I was bored I, I didn't know anyone in anything and there was a theater around the corner and I walked over there one day and started taking beginning acting classes. And the teacher said, why are you in beginning acting? And I said, because I haven't acted in many, many years and I just want to start from scratch. So took acting classes every night, every week. And one day a, a lovely actress said to me, you know, you'd be wonderful at voiceover. And I said, oh, good. What is it? <laughs> and, um, she explained. And, th and that was a time when and I, I know you guys can relate to this you a lot of character voices were used in commercials and if you could do an accent new york and the south and whatever you had some range you know you could do some fun things so <laughs> that started my voiceover career in houston and and then i thought well i'll just go to los angeles now and see what i can do with voiceover and it was just amazing because it was really hard to break in when I first got to L.A., it just was. And some very kind people got me into doing a, what is called looping or ADR, where you are doing background voices for TV and film. So I did looping for a, a really long time. Would you the, explain that, Beth, to looping it or ADR automated dialogue replacement is where a group of actors, usually about six to eight, depending on how much activity is in the film or the, the show. And it, it's good to have, if you're an actor doing this, to have a variety of dialects or voices because you have to be several people. You're the 
you're the cook over there and you're the waitress and you're the dishwasher, you know, and, and you've got to go when you see on screen those people who were extras and their lips are moving, but they don't have any dialogue in them. They're not paid to talk. So you go, hand me that plate. Where's my towel? You know, stuff like that. But then I would go home at night and have nothing to do. And so I got involved with a group of people that were doing The Artist's Way, this book, The Artist's Way, and everybody had an activity. And I said, I, I just, the only thing I could think of is I could write a song. And I don't play an instrument, so I just started making up melodies and lyrics and things. And finally, a couple of friends said, let's go in the studio and make this a real song. And so we did that, and that was a lot of fun. And a very sneaky friend, my friend Adrian King, I don't know if you remember the first Friday the 13th movie, but she was the girl who beheads Betsy Palmer. I love this story. And uh, she snuck a copy of the song and gave it to the producers of the T show Melrose Place. And they loved it. And they wanted to use it. And I could not believe it. I thought it was a joke. I was being punked. And then they sent a check. And um, one of my two best friends, Donna and Stacy, Stacy said, well, this is fantastic. Why don't we form a little company and, you know, get all our songs out there? And I said, well, I have one song. <laughs> <laughs> I one. So we started off small because I was a former publicist. I just picked up the phone and just started calling people and introducing myself. And it took off. And now we're 22 years old and we are one of two catalogs that provides the source music for the TV series, The Young and the Restless. Five days a week, I never go to vacation. But it's a wonderful career. I've enjoyed it a lot. I, I don't do any acting anymore. But the music thing has just taken over in such a huge way. One of the things that feels so wonderful about, yes, you know, I'm earning a living in the arts, and that's really hard to do. We all know that. But it's just getting people heard that would never get heard if they didn't have this opportunity. And it just makes my day. So do you spend a lot of time looking for new artists? or do people um, come I to don't you? have to because they come to me about every day. <laughs> I get a request to listen to their music. And I, I really try to listen as quickly as I can. I deliver new music to the show two times a month. And then we have the Christmas season where I'll be delivering music like every day for six or seven weeks. Hmm. Uh, I'm familiar, I believe, with uh, a lot of that music. The the American TV shows, uh, the British TV shows, all seem to have kind of a, a button uh, towards the end of the show when a song just seems to summarize the whole show. And they're so wonderful. And I've never heard of any of these groups. Do any of them ever make it? Uh, are you aware? Well, I, I had the Bacon Brothers for a while, but as you know, did they make it? Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, they were famous, you know, because of Kevin. Yes. Um, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I have a lot of artists that are in the UK or in Europe, and I don't know if they're charting or if they have really huge careers. If you're a professional musician and you're working right now, you you tour a lot. And if you're touring, there's not a lot of time to be in the studio to create the song I need 10 minutes ago. You know, I, I have some people in the catalog that have had big careers, but um, by and large, the people that I have are successful in that they get a ton of placements and they're able to pay their mortgage and feed their families. And to me, that's the greatest success of all. Wow. Somewhat like actors also. They, there are some anonymous actors that are making a good living doing voice work. 
Exactly. Everybody asks me, when are you going to retire? I'm actually 70 now. And I feel like a teenager and I, I feel like I still have my energy most of the time. So when I say I worked a 12 hour day the next day, I was like, <laughs> you know, but I, I still like the music and I still understand, even though I'm an old timer for most people's sake in the world of rock and roll, I just know music and it, it's fascinating to me. And I know so much more about mixes now and sound quality. So you, somehow or other, with all of that going on in your 12-hour days and your success, you decided, <laughs> this is what I've got to do. i got to move to Kansas now. Explain this to well, us. Well, 22 years ago, I also met my boyfriend, Dale. And Dale is a, uh, from Paola, Kansas. It's, it's a, it's wait, so wait. small. It is, not, it is on the map. Paola? Paola. Yes. Can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> P-A-O-L-A. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> and it is it is about 45 minutes, I think, from Kansas City or the two Kansas cities. I can't ever get it straight. Um, what happened was he's a Kansas boy and he wanted to go home. And he left about three months ago. And I sat there in California going, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? And I got on a plane and flew out here and we started shopping for houses. And I, I, I just kept saying, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? And we finally found this sweet little house. And I cannot tell you how different it is. We're, we're in the house just a couple of weeks now. It is so calm and so peaceful and there's zero traffic and it is charming and people are friendly and sweet and there's, no traffic. Did I mention the no traffic thing? What about the traffic? And, and the taxes are lower and the prices are smaller and people are friendlier and nobody wants me to give them a job <laughs> or put them in showbiz. And I can work from here just as easily. Thank you, modern technology. And I've heard the winters here are brutal. I did survive New York, but I think we'll probably go back in uh, November, December, uh, and stay for a couple of months and then come back here. But um, it just is so lovely here and peaceful that sometimes I, I just pinch myself. Why did I fight this? Why did I think I need, I'm in show business. I have to be in LA. Ah, no, I don't. And it's like very, very peaceful. I guess they call this retirement, except I'm not retired. <laughs> but uh, give us some advice. We have people that listen into our program who are, 65 plus, some of them are retired. Um, what keeps you going? Where's the energy come from? What's that? And what do you recommend to other people? I wish you could have had my parents. They uh, were two little houses on fire, married for a gazillion years, passed away four months apart. They were Steve and Edie. They instilled in, in me a passion for life because they'd had a lot of tragedy. My father especially embraced life so much. He was so fascinated. He was just so grateful to be alive that he kind of instilled in me a, a passion for life. He and my mom, as I said, were Steve and Edie. They were a, a, just a dynamic couple and, and they lived to the fullest. They enjoyed people. They had parties at their home constantly, theme parties with costumes and crazy things. And they were just full of life. And I think that they gave that gift to me and my siblings. If you're 60, 65, 70, 
it's not over. It's just not over unless you want it to be. So find something that you love and just, ooh, embrace it. Mm. And, and I also have to say this. I love what I do with music because it is doing something for somebody besides me. It, it is giving food on the table to so many musicians who might not have been able to support a family, buy a car, pay their rent. And I know what it is to struggle as an artist. I, I had those years. And after buying this house, I'm going to have them again. <laughs> <laughs> like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. There are more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.